Holy crap, guys, I seriously cannot believe it's been a year since we started Women of Impact. And since starting the show, I've been able to sit down with authors, Olympians, actresses, researchers, and badass businesswomen. Some of the most incredible humans on the planet. Women who are truly making an impact. And so today I wanted to do a different kind of show. I wanted to share some of their best tips for anyone who wants to achieve something great. So guys, lean in because this is how you become the hero of your own life. Tip number one, get shit done. If somebody doesn't understand my role in the room, I will clearly, concisely, and elegantly correct them. Um, but I'm not necessarily personally offended. Right? Whatever issues they have, that's a disservice to them. They don't understand the value that I bring. That's money that they are losing. Right. So that is the way that I would look at it, uh, even at that point. Um, and frankly, I, even as a young person, as I started to learn more and more, the thing that I have learned is it does, you, you can't deny like excellence. Like I often say, like excellence is a transferable skill. You may not understand the widgets or the specific paradigm, but if you are just badass and get shit done, you can do that almost anywhere in an oil refinery, a department of defense, at a television show. Um, if you bring that dedication and discipline to excellence, I want you on my team every time. Um, so I didn't know everything about the defense industry at 21 years old. So I had to spend my weekend studying the very extensive federal acquisition regulations. Um, it's as sexy as it sounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it does sound actually very sexy. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, so the, the key, and you could literally, to this day, this is not something that's gone away in the last 20 mm. years. To this day, I can see... The moment I want to come in a room to typically two and three minutes in, you see this recognition, this change shift in your eyes of like, oh, oh, wow, I'm starting to understand the value that she brings. I did not expect that. Just just last month after I was meeting some with someone, the gentleman literally said to me, how, how did you get like this? <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have asked a man that, right? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> I true, guess. yeah. He literally said, like, how did you get like this? Mm. Like, it was so jarring to him. But I don't take that personally. I take that as, like, good. This one bit, one dent, right? Hopefully when I walk out of this room, there's one dent that makes it easier for the next woman who walks in this room. Tip number two, face your fears. You need to bring in the pain of what will happen if you don't make a change. So for me, what happened is I started to bring in the pain of the future. So fast forward mm -hmm. to the future and bring in the pain of one year if you don't make a change, of five years if you don't make a change. Then I've always done this thing where I go to my deathbed and I always say, how am I going to feel if I know that all of these gifts and this potential that I can see that I get visions of are not reached on my deathbed. And I go all the way down to whatever you believe, whether you know, you're religious or whether you believe in energy, whatever that is, at the end of your life when you're looking over everything or when you meet your creator, whatever that looks like, are you gonna say, you know what, I just really felt like you didn't give me everything I needed for this life. And we know that's not truth. We know that's not truth. So for me, it's always been uh, to bring the pain into the present moment, but then you also have to bring in the reward into the present moment of if you face that fear. So, okay. so even yeah, give me an example. Um, okay. So I just did spoken word this last weekend yes, for did. the first time ever on a stage of 1100 women. Like why not do it that way? My friend, my friend had an event and she was like, Lori, I want you to speak at my event. I was like, of course I'll speak at your event. I would love to. And she's like, but you're not going to speak. You're going to do spoken word. What I had to do for that though, was I couldn't I, I couldn't think about, you know, what would happen if I failed. It was like I had to think about 
how fun it was going to be, how excited I was gonna be when I got done. I had to think about what I would open up if I did this. I had to think about, oh my God, my whole life I've wanted to perform. And then what I also had to do was say, if I don't do this, how will I feel? Like, what if I never got the opportunity to do this ever again? What if someone said you can never, ever share your poetry, you can never sing, you can never get on stage and perform? And I was like, that feels terrible. Like, that was awful because I know that Fear is the X that marks the spot to a treasure beyond anything you can possibly Man, I fathom. had that quote down for you, freaking genius. Like it is, it's everything. So I'm telling people now because what I'm doing, I have no idea why I signed up for this, but I did. Um, but I'm going to all of my fear places. It's like, we know where they are. We're just avoiding them. Everyone watching this like literally knows Oh, that's scary for me. Oh, public speaking, that's scaring the crap out of me. Oh, asking that woman to connect, that's scaring me. If you want to accelerate your life and have a life beyond your wildest dreams, it's all of those things. All you have to do is go to that one, that one, and that. It doesn't, rejection, it doesn't matter the rejection. That's a part of it. Like rejection is so powerful and so beautiful. It's really fast feedback. And you feel it and you know. And a lot of my rejection has spurred on, that's okay, they can't see me yet. Like, that's okay. They can't see what's in here yet. I can see it. Like, you have to keep saying that to yourself over and over. And you also have to say, that's okay. This is new for me. Like, it's going to get better. You have to allow yourself to be a beginner. So, okay. There's one thing to leave a successful company. Yeah. So I'm going to try this new venture. Yeah. Like, my heart really wants it. Sure. I feel like it's chosen me. All of sure. that. And it's another thing to say, I'm going to take on the FDA. <laughs> like... I've heard of Roblox girl, but yeah. like that's... There was like, epic, yes. Right. And so I'm sure, in fact, were there people that were like, you're crazy, what are you doing? Of course, I, of course. And yet, yet again, I think the right path was just so obvious mm. that I had to take it. So, you know, I had gotten this drug and I'd sat down with the agency and the, the good news is there was already a roadmap because they'd given feedback to this company that innovated mm. the science. And so I had exactly what I needed to do. I went out, I did the work, I met all of the outcomes. I just waited, thinking, okay, well, here it is. Like, I'm getting ready, I'm gonna launch this, I'm getting an approval. And then they denied it. And that was a, <laughs> a really bad Friday. Truly, I got the news, I had um, just flown back in. I got this news. And I can remember I sat down in an airport and I think I didn't move for, for two hours. And it was because what am I gonna say to my team who've put you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this, who bet on me? It was game over. They controlled my fate. And so what do, I, what do you do? The FDA said no. And I can remember going into the company admitting that I had none of the answers. I didn't know what we were going to do. Um, you know, I think everybody went home sort of thinking I better polish off the resume right. over the weekend. I went home and cried it out uh, in the bed. And the next morning I woke up and I went back to my inbox and I read email after email after email from women who had the condition, who knew I was doing this, who were saying, please don't give up on us. Thank you for fighting the fight. Thank you for letting me know I'm not alone. And I was reminded all over again what it was all about. On Monday, I went in and I said, we're going to dispute the FDA. I think the, I think the company probably thought I was crazy. Right. Many of my team thought I was crazy. And yet they knew that, you know, it was a deep injustice. 
we had the scientific evidence, but what we had was sort of a mental roadblock, if you will, mm. and they needed to listen to the women as well. Life's about choices, you know, and, and we even say it, you know, as my mom's gotten older and her siblings, you know, you can grow old and be angry about it and be cranky about it, or you can grow old and be graceful and appreciate all the experiences that you've had. And mm. in those moments, don't get me wrong, like I am far from zen and, you know, you know, peaceful and paying it forward and saying it's okay and Wusa, I'd get pissed, you know, and it's like, but instead of taking it out on the person who is, you know, disrespecting me, mm -hmm. it was how can I prove myself so they're not, they're going to have to respect me. I needed to earn their respect. I always mm -hmm. say like, you're, as a woman, you're not necessarily going to be invited to sit at the table. Mm -hmm. You have to take your place. You have to command it. And, you know, even when I first started managing Snoop, you know, um, I think there was probably three or four other women that were managers in hip hop. And so, you know, walking into that world was just completely uncharted territory. And again, it was like eye on the prize. As long as my client, you know, has my back and he's going to respect me, I'm good. And, and sure enough, he did. And, you know, let me do my thing. And also, I think probably after a while started laughing at the guys that completely were ignoring me, thinking that I was, you know, just one of the junior people, couldn't make decisions, wasn't in charge. And he, I would definitely catch him like laughing as these guys just bumbled their way through and insulted me. And then he was like, that's the person you have to go get the answers from. So you just learn from it, laugh about it. And again, just put the battery in your back and make you just earn their respect. Amazing. All right. So take me to that moment where um, Snoop Dogg's in the room. At this point, you're not managing him, correct? This I'm not a manager. No. When I left the NFL and I went to the firm, I was uh, doing strategic marketing and branding. And so when Snoop came on board, it was my job to, again, marketing and, and things like that. And he's in the room and he's got his, his film agent, I mean, film managers, TV managers, somebody from touring from the radio department, I mean, literally 10 people at the company, plus um, a couple, I think there was about four or five people from his camp, secure, like four security guards. I mean, the room is packed. And, you know, he walks in, and I love telling the story in front of him because he just cracks up, um, but he's got this purple fur coat on. Remember, like it was yesterday. <laughs> he sits at the head of this huge conference room table, and he looks at all of us, and then he turns around and starts looking out the window. And so people are literally trying to have a serious conversation. He's with us, I don't even know, maybe a month. And he's in there to like go through everything. What do you want to do TV-wise, touring-wise, album-wise? Like, check every box. And I'm there to talk about marketing and branding and endorsements and things like that. And he, again, out the window. So I just was like, hey, hey, like, we're busy too. Turn around. Like, if you want to hear what we have to say, then at least turn around and listen to us because we can all go back to our offices and work with clients that want to work with us. And it was like this moment where he was like, and I was like, because again, I have nothing to lose. I'm not trying to be a manager. I'm especially not trying to be, you know, this gangster rapper's <laughs> manager. And from that moment on, I mean, we just have a very special bond. Um, he and his wife, I mean, still two of my closest friends, you know, I saw the world with him and it's experiences I'm so grateful for and I'll never get back and um, there's no one like him. Um, I think the second thing is, and this is something I cannot say enough or loudly enough, and um, I see this disproportionately with women, is you have to be okay with taking more risk. 
Like, mm. just, just try it. Just Why do, do you think, it. Especially with women. In my experience, I see this in, like, with our own team, with talent, with the way women project managers manage, manage things versus the way that men do. I find this just my own history, mm. but I find that women disproportionately want all the information. Mm. They say, look, this is the outcome. I trust you to move forward. And like, I need all the details. Hold on. I'm going to come back to you in three weeks. I want it to be perfect. I want to know the roadmaps. I want to know every bit of details about it um, before I move forward. And I find, for good or for bad, like there's, some, there's something great about that, right? You want to do things the right way. It's grounded on the right thing. I have not found that equivalently in my male teammates, which are more likely to say, like, I'm going to figure it out along the way. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to just step out. And, and I do think... There is some happy medium where maybe they're both too far on each right, side. Right. But I think it's important for women to be comfortable with taking a risk and bet on yourself. You have a lot of institutional knowledge within your brain already, right? You're already going around observing, understanding things. And if you have like the basics of how do I make a decision? Like, do I, can I lean on my own instincts a bit more? I think you can feel more comfortable with taking risk and, and, and moving forward. Tip number three, know your worth. I have women in my community do what I call a brag binder. Okay, tell me more. And the brag binder is about pulling out every thank you card you've ever received, every letter of recommendation, um, every positive email you printed down, every assessment. Pull all of that stuff out, pull it all down. Read it and remind yourself of who you are before you go back to that negotiation table or before you reply to that email. And not just in a corporate setting, but even as entrepreneurs, I see so many women, you know, I coach women through this, right? They'll say what their price is. And then before the person could like open their mouth, they're like, but I could do more and more and more, or I could bring it down, or I could do two for one, or I could... And they start negotiating themselves down right. to do more work for less money because they forget who they are. And I've been guilty of it. I forgot who I was. I remember when I would get calls to go to all these shows and do stuff, I would be so pumped up. Like, oh my gosh. And then they would start asking for all this unreasonable stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, well now it's getting... And I'm like, wait a minute. One day my husband told me, babe, they're not calling you because there's nobody else out there. They're calling you because you're good. You're damn good. Like you're the bomb at what you do. So you don't have to settle for terms that don't satisfy you. Hmm. You can push back. If you only travel first class because we only travel first class, then you tell them I only travel first class. If you don't you know, do things a certain way, you don't have to settle for that. They, there's plenty of people out there. They want you for who you are, for what experience you bring, for the level of talent you bring, for the level of energy you bring. They want you for you. And this is what that comes with. So why do you keep dummying it down, accepting the first thing that folks throw at you, being excited to be invited just because you got the invitation mm -hmm. um, and not going for more, not going for what you're worth? And especially as women, I think in this day and age, we kind of go on from one thing to the next. We mm -hmm. achieve one thing and we go and we do the next thing and we keep going, which is why I said I'm in a season where I want to enjoy the journey. Love that. Because if you just keep, you know, going from thing to thing, sometimes you forget just how much you've already accomplished. Mm -hmm. And because you haven't hit that ultimate goal yet, you still see yourself differently than other people see you. And this is still, again, one of those things that I 
and wrapping my mind around, mm -hmm. I'm like, before I get on a big call, like about some type of deal, is just to go back through and not so much about the boxes that have been checked off in terms of qualifications. Mm -hmm. I go back and look at the impact. I go back and go, I read these DMs. I read the thank you notes from people. I read the stuff from people saying, you know, because of you, I got out of debt. Because of you, I can't believe I'm, a just yesterday I met a young woman, 28 years old, single mom of two, bought her first home after reading my book and doing everything for a year. She's like, nobody in my family has ever owned a home. And wow. I thank you, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I look at, the impact for me is the people. Mm. And if I ha have been able to do anything that has helped people change their lives, then I will not allow some big company to come and offer me peanuts to be a talking head or something. Mm. It's like, no, I'm good. I could stay at home and keep doing what I'm doing. Tip number four, avoid burnout. I think a lot of times too, when we, we do hit that point of burnout and we don't take care of ourselves. I mean, I don't know, like what people believe in God or Buddha, or whoever, but I think whoever your spiritual higher being is, something will happen to you that forces you. Like I ended up getting a spinal fluid leak this summer and I was down for a month. I mean, no emails, no phone calls, like nothing. And it made me realize, okay, I've got to take real time for myself. But it just really, in those moments, we're like, why? It's like, okay how can I channel this? What can I learn from it? And that was for me. Okay, next summer, I can take a month off because look, you were out sick for a month. I think, as you know, when you own your own business, you're never off. Yeah. You know, my husband says that I, you know, I have an affair with my iPhone because I wake up and kiss the iPhone. I go to sleep and kiss the iPhone. But when you work with people, there's no turning them off. Yeah. Did you have to ask yourself whether that was the like this is the life I want and I know it's not going to be easy but I'm going to go down it or it just happened I yeah. mean it's the same thing when I was managing Snoop it was literally I woke up I was 40 I said where did my 30s go you know like yes I've accomplished such great things and I've seen the world but I need balance and I need my life and that was when I said to him like I love you but I just I, I need to kind of figure out what my next phase is yeah and that's one thing I, I do now is it might not sound like it, but I do have better balance. Like we have a gym in the house. I do yoga. We live at the beach. Um, mm -hmm. I do try, even if it's for a long weekend, whether you, you know you go to Cabo or to Miami or just something like, just go do something to decompress. Um, I try to get a massage every week, mm -hmm. you know, at the house. Like it's just those kind of things for self care. See your girlfriends, you know, or, or whatever it is. Go play golf. Like just take some time for yourself because. When you recharge that battery, you're better not just for your family, but you're better for your, your clients, your coworkers, your colleagues, your staff. Like, it really, 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 truly makes a difference. Yeah, I used to believe that, like, go, go, go. And the second you stop, that's the second someone's going to overtake you. And so I had the mentality of work 24 hours, mm -hmm. um, every ounce of my being into it at Quest. And it ended up in massive health issues where my digestion kind of mm -hmm. like, literally <laughs> fell apart. And I'm not I've laughing been... <laughs> at your digestive issues. I'm laughing because it's ulcers and, yeah. and the whole thing. It's no joke. And I realized how much like it set me back. 
And so now I just remind myself, all right, Lisa, if you don't slow down sometimes, because I actually like going at a fast right. speed. And that's what I want people to hear, right? Like you seem to be on fire for what you do. And that's very important. So people, I think, need to be on fire and then go for it, whether it's be a parent or be an entrepreneur or be an astronaut, you know, whatever it is. But um, I started to realize that if I want to actually do this for the rest of my life, like actually want to do it, then I also have to pay attention to the self-care. Right. get the massages once a week to enable me to be able to go at that fast pace. Otherwise, it's like the engine that's kind of running on empty. Mm -hmm. Tip number five, be you. So I started my first business as a teenager and I would say my first real company was when I was 21. And at that time, I felt like there was a certain way I had to show up and be in order to succeed. And it was a very male-dominated industry that I was entering. And I even had female mentors tell me, this is how you play the game. This is what you're going to have to do if you want to make it. And all the things that I was told I had to do and how I was told I needed to show up and be felt very counter to who I was at my core. And I think slowly the, the essence of me felt like it dissolved away a little bit. And it wasn't until a conversation actually with Ariana Huffington that I was sitting down with her and she said, you know, your generation, you get to do things differently. You don't have to, you don't have to do all these things that you feel you need to do in order to succeed. You can just be you, like just be you and be in your femininity, and it's okay to be soft and all these ways of being that, that you've been told, those are not true and you get to do this your own way. And that really shifted things for me. And still it's been a challenge because I feel like there are so many things I love talking about and diving into and experimenting with and I still struggle with that voice in my head that says, if you show people all of this, will they still like you? In every moment, we have a choice to reveal ourselves or conceal ourselves, and it's a choice that we make. And it's still a, a question that I have to ask myself and a choice that I have to actively make. Am I revealing myself right now or am I concealing myself? That's amazing. I'm so going to steal that, by the way, because I love asking myself questions. Um, and when you kind of make it binary, it has like one or the other. It kind of forces you to choose. In hindsight, what are the things that um, you now see that you like, oh, if I could have identified that in the moment, I could have made a shift quicker. Like if someone's watching right now, um, what are the things they can do to go, OK, actually, I'm, I'm you know, diminishing myself? The limiting belief that I was holding at the time was that I wasn't enough on my own, who I really was and, and bringing my essence to my business, that that would somehow mean I would not be successful. So I thought that who I really was, was not someone who succeeds in the world or succeeds in the industry mm -hmm. that I was entering. And the other part of that was will they like me? What are people going to think? And if people don't like me, if they think something about me that would cause a judgment, would that mean that I don't get certain opportunities? 
So those were the thoughts that were going through my head at the time. And I know so many people struggle with those. And if I could go back and speak to my younger self, I would say it's, it's when you choose to be you and who you really are, that's when the success comes. That's when the media comes. That's when the book deals come. It's showing up as who you really are. That's all the world wants from you. There's actually one thing that you mentioned that I yeah. want to jump back to quickly. Is you said, oh, well, you know, the, the, the little lady in pink. Mm. How much do you think that that served you and hasn't served you? Mm. So you're not what people expect yes. when you say, like, founder. I mean, it's what, at this point, 1.5 billion yes. if your, two of your companies yeah. are sold for um, accumulatively, which is insane. <laughs> and you just don't think that you're going to find this young, perky, you know, woman who's yeah. got personality and dresses <laughs> in pink and loves yeah. the pink. So has that served you? And how has it not served you? Mm. Well, look, I think in the early days, not fitting in, like not fitting what we believe to be walking into the room, that absolutely worked against me. Um, I wasn't expected in the rooms. I showed up in the boardrooms. I didn't look the part, so to speak. And yet it was very, underestimation is powerful fuel. It really is. And so there was a, a critical sort of switch to me from underestimated to unapologetic. And that's really pink. I mean, pink for me, I say unapologetically pink, and that's really that switch. And it became a little bit of fun that I expected to be underestimated. I think once I reset the expectations in my mind that when I walked in, like, that's probably how this is going to play out, it was a pretty cool invitation to surprise people. So it's almost like you lent into it more. Yes. Yep, I agree. And I talk, to, I talk to female founders about this all the time. I think what happens is you walk into a room and if you have that kind of reception, um, you feel like you don't fit, you've got two choices. You're either going to reel back in frustration mm. or you're going to harness it to propel you forward. And for me, I harnessed it and went right toward it. It's why I showed up in hot pink. People used to say, oh, the little pink pill, that's so cute. And I thought, my God, like that's so dismissive mm. at its core and yet instructive to me because that's the conversation we need to be having. So why don't I just show up in blazing hot pink and let's talk about it. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, because people, I don't know why, but, it, you know, psychology, I'm sure someone at home has an answer, but that people will see the, the fun spirit that you have, yeah. the energy, and your mind doesn't go to you know, serious, serious, Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical company, CEO, like it just doesn't. And that's terrible Mm -hmm. that even my mind doesn't necessarily go straight there. But I love that you're breaking ground Mm -hmm. now. Um, And I actually, just from my perspective, it's, it has definitely been your strength. And especially in this space, I think where women have to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. to talk about their sexual problems. No question. So the fact that you have this aura about you that I think allows women to be open. So in fact, like, do you think that you would have gotten where you did? Um, You said the FDA opened the doors to women to telling their stories. Do you think that that would have happened if you hadn't come in with a more empathetic, down to earth um, vibe about you? Absolutely not. I mean, I think that to its core, like, you know, we're so data driven. And I talk a lot about like we now the world is run by spreadsheet and, you know, that it all goes down to that. But data is informed very differently through the lens of empathy. Mm. 
And I think that when we got out of our own way and just listened, you know, it's it's benefit risk. I always come back to that because right. that's truly the decision that's being made in medicine. And it sounds like very objective benefit risk. And yet it's totally subjective because if I assign no value to something, then any risk would be too great. And we were assigning no value to what this meant in women's lives. Like, oh, do women really need to have more sex? People used to say to me all the time, oh, Cindy, come on. You're such a crusader. Nobody's going to lose, lose their life from this. And I would say, go talk to them because they're losing their life as they know it. It's part of who they are. It's part of how they feel about themselves as they show up in this world. And, um, and so that, that listening, I think, is a, is a female strength. And I think then the stubbornness <laughs> that demanded that others listen too was the magical, if you will, um, combination to open the doors of the FDA. We had the largest public meetings. Can you imagine? I mean, women flew in from you know across the country. They arranged for childcare to get off of work, and they went to a federal agency and talked about what was going on in their bedrooms. And that was bravery at its finest. And I think women who rise to the occasion to say, like, if not me, then who? And I'm going to break this down for other women. Oh my God, guys, I don't know if those clips just hit you as powerfully as they hit me, but seriously, they're just a few of the women who have impacted my life over this last year. And I really sincerely promise you, if you actually take their advice, they'll change your life too. But now I want to hear from you guys. Drop in the comments, who do you want to see sit next to me and me ask questions? Who do you want to see on the show of Women of Impact? And what do you want me to ask them? So drop them in the comments below. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And if you haven't subscribed, guys, click the subscribe button and show the love. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.